I'm Jim Cameron, Jim Cameron Consulting, broadcasting from the Fountainhead, the home of Synergy Billing, and I'm your host for Volusia Matters, news, interviews, and matters that impact Volusia County directly or indirectly. Now let's get on with the news. The Volusia Economic Development Q4 Breakfast was held February 16th with Florida Commerce Exec Laura DeBella as the keynote speaker. About 150 attendees heard Economic Resources Director Cyrus Callum report these economic statistics. Our unemployment rate's been hovering around 3.3-3.4%. Our available labor force and labor force that are employed have gone down just a little bit, but we're still well above those record numbers that we set since we got out of the bulk of the uh, pandemic. If we look at our year-over-year gain or loss, we had a net gain of over 6,000 with the biggest share being in healthcare and social services, followed by leisure and hospitality. So the only two industries that experience losses are going to be construction and transportation. So we had about $206 million worth of permits. We had 28 permits in the commercial new construction uh, arena. So um, pretty strong, actually, that was tops for the year in terms of the value of the permits, however, uh, 28 permits uh, were filed for uh, during the fourth quarter. Looking at new construction for residential, we had 740 permits, just under 300 million. But in 2022, and that's where we're getting these numbers right now, Volusia <coughs> County had a record 10.6 million visitors to our area, and so that's a major con- contributor to our growth. So. Uh, both these industries are in the top five for our employment. And as for unemployment, fourth quarter for Daytona Beach was 4.1%. For DeLand, fourth quarter was 3.9%. For Deltona, it was 3.5%. For New Smyrna Beach, it was For Ormond Beach, it was 3.1%. For Port Orange, it was 2.8%. And for more economic details, go to www.floridabusiness.org. And speaking of economic development, confirmation of Lou Paris is on today's County Council agenda to become the new Economic Development Division Director to replace Helga Van Eckert, who relocated to Flagler this past year. Now, with more than 15 years of business and economic development experience, he began with Flagler Volusia Career Source and also worked with Stetson University's Prince Entrepreneurship Program. He has a bachelor's of business as well as an MBA from Stetson University. So congratulations, Lou. Looking forward to working with you. Next item, 
The State of the County Luncheon was held in Deltona last week, where County Chair Jeff Brower called for countywide teamwork to improve quality of life. The event underlined several goals for 2024 to create a more efficient regulatory framework and to increase the efficiency of government operations and to expand recreation and sports tourism and to enhance fiscal stewardship. Now, some of their 2023 achievements included in the aftermath of Hurricanes Ian and Nicole, the county expedited the permit process to help property owners rebuild, as well as measures to stabilize the coast, including beach renourishment projects to restore dunes. And the council also eliminated the communication services tax, as well as the business receipts tax. Now, in Tallahassee, as the legislature enters its sixth week of the session, the House Ways and Means Committee is seeking to reform tourist development tax, which in Volusia County is a 6% surcharge on hotel rooms. Now, this proposal could require voter approval every six years to renew the tax, which is used for marketing, cultural events, arts, sports venues, as well as beach refurbishment and other projects to drum up tourism. Now, some legislators expressed concern about potential impact that this could cause as to shortfalls that would be shifted back to city and county general funds. Now, House Ways and Means Committee Chair Stan McLean warned that reform is needed as some local governments want to spend bed tax money on other community issues unrelated to tourism, like affordable housing, public transit, roads, law enforcement. Meanwhile, tourism advocates warned that this bill could kill local tourism promotion as it would make it hard to retain staff for jobs that could be sunset within six years. We'll see where the bill goes. Another bill before the legislature the Officer Jason Rayner Act. Now, this is House Bill 1657 and Senate Bill 1092, which aims to protect law enforcement regardless of whether their actions are lawful or unlawful. It says a person is not justified in the use or threatened use of force to resist a lawful or unlawful arrest. Now, this is in memory of Daytona Beach police officer Jason Rayner, who was shot while on patrol in June of 2021. Last year, Othell Wallace was convicted of manslaughter after jurors raised questions about legal detainment in the case.
So last week, the House version, that's 1657, passed the Judiciary Committee where Representative Webster Barnaby voted yes. Now this is that bill that State Attorney R.J. Larissa in a previous Volusia Matters interview uh, said that he had been lobbying for in the legislature this session. In addition, the House and Senate Budget Conference Committee is working to finalize an approximate $115 billion or so budget for the coming fiscal year. And this must be done prior to the legislature adjourns, is scheduled to adjourn on March 8th. And this could be somewhat related to the state budget, a sports betting update. Remember when I mentioned that story where two paramutual companies asked U.S. Supreme Court to block a 2021 compact giving the Seminole tribe control over sports betting in Florida? Now, this comes after an appellate court decision upholding the state and the tribe's agreement whereby Florida could net $2.5 billion over the next five years. Now, at question is still whether the compact conflicts with a 2018 constitutional amendment requiring voter approval of expansions of casino-style gambling. And another segment is whether sports betting is in the same class as casino gambling. Also, whether a mobile app can take sports bets in Florida beyond tribal boundaries. This is also being tried in Florida Supreme Court as well. Also, Governor DeSantis is supporting legislation to curb a nationwide uptick in retail theft and porch piracy. In 2022, retailers across the U.S. lost $112 billion to retail theft with sharp increases in New York, Los Angeles, and Washington. And a recent national survey stated that 40% of small business retailers say the value of items stolen in 2023 increased compared to previous years. 75% of those same retailers reported monthly losses between $500 and $2,500 due to theft. And 64% said this is going to lead to increased prices. This legislation being proposed would require a third-degree felony for anyone committing retail theft with five or more individuals, second-degree felony for criminals using social media to solicit others to participate, and first-degree felony for anyone committing retail theft with a firearm or has already had two or more prior convictions of retail theft. Also on the state front, in January, Florida's Medicaid program 
had about 4.8 million enrollees. Now, Medicaid is jointly funded by the federal and state governments. Now, in 2020, the feds declared a public health COVID-19 pandemic emergency whereby Washington paid more of that Medicaid tab. And in exchange, the states agreed not to drop people from Medicaid rolls during the emergency. Now, during that time, Florida's program grew from 3.8 million enrollees in January 2020 to nearly 5.7 million enrollees in April 2023. And that's when the program ended and enrollment gradually declined thereafter. We'll see where it goes because meanwhile, there's a state constitutional amendment, Citizens Initiative, that's being sought for the 2026 ballot to expand Medicaid in the state. Now, taking things back more to the local level, after receiving several complaints from concerned citizens, Daytona Beach Police Department investigated illegal activity at Follow the Smoke Hookah Lounge, that's 631 North Grandview Avenue, and on February 13th, Follow the Smoke's owner was assessed a $15,000 fine due to illegal sale of alcohol without a license and selling alcohol to underage persons and operating after hours without a permit, as well as various ordinance violations. We'll see where that goes. Also in Daytona Beach, First Step Shelter report, in the past two months, the shelter has seen an uptick in number of people entering the program. And whereas their residents have been usually around 50-ish years of age, they're now seeing more elderly individuals. The facility has become a bit crowded. I mean, they have two women living in the health unit because no bottom bunks are available. Now, while First Step Shelter is seeing more residents entering the program, STAP is having to make space for more bunks. And for a count at the shelter, the Daytona Beach Police Department in January brought in 24 individuals to the shelter, plus one from the Department of Corrections. Nine came from local hospitals, 18 came from local churches, totaling 42 individuals. Of those, nine found employment, and 12 found housing. Now, for the Roseanne Tornator Safe Zone, Daytona Beach Police Department had 139 referrals. Port Orange Police Department had two referrals. Holly Hill Department had eight referrals. New Smyrna Beach had five referrals. And Volusia Sheriff's Office had 20 referrals, totaling 
174 referrals to the Roseanne Tornasaur safe zone in January. Next item. Last night, the DeLand City Commission approved several measures to address the homeless issue in their city. This has been brought on by local merchants that have asked the city to address the matter as it's become a problem for the business district. The measures included camping on public property, storage of personal property in public right-of-way, and lying, sleeping on park benches, sidewalks, elsewhere in the city. Commissioners pointed out that individuals have a choice of going to jail or the Bridge Neighborhood Center, which is Pottinger compliant. The vote, the vote was 5-0, and I want to thank the commission for approving these measures. And moving on to the economy front, uh, January's inflation rate was 3.1%, down from a 3.4% level in December, but above the 2.9% increase that economists had forecast. This is mainly due to jumps in food and housing cost. Since inflation's 40-year high of 9.1% in June of 2022, the Fed has sought a 2% inflation rate, so it looks like they're going to have to continue their plans to slow growth by tightening the money supply. However, despite the year-over-year -year rate of increased slowing, this latest 3.1% is somewhat discouraging for investors who were hoping the Fed's aggressive measures had inflation trending lower. This is the second consecutive month inflation has come in above expectations. And so investors became nauseous with that report this week, sending the S&P 500 lower last week by 1%. And I lost some money too. Next item, last week, the U.S. Government Accounting Office warned that our $34 trillion national debt is growing at a rate that threatens the vitality of our nation's economy and will more than double over the next 30 years, which poses serious economic and security problems if not addressed. Now, most of the growth in government spending is in three areas. Social Security, health care, that being Medicare and Medicaid, and interest on the debt. Now, over the next 10 years, the growth in interest Social Security and health care will be 85% of 
spending growth. Now, in 2000, the U.S. national debt was $3.4 trillion. And that's about a third of the annual gross domestic product. And back then, Congressional Budget Office said that the national debt could be wiped out completely with measures within a decade. But as we know, today it's $34 trillion, nearly 100% of gross domestic product, the highest level since World War II. And its current path, it will hit 200% of GDP by 2050. Now, despite economic growth in fiscal year 2023, the deficit was like 1.3 or 1.5 trillion or so, the fourth year in a row of a deficit above $1 trillion. And projections show the federal government will pay more than $1 trillion in net interest cost starting in 2029. And the recent rise in net interest spending has been driven by higher interest rates. And Government Accounting Office has previously suggested that Congress develop a plan to address government's unsustainable fiscal path. Let's see what happens. And and to finish up, Look for a new podcast episode to be released next week, and the views expressed on this podcast may or may not necessarily express the opinions of Jim Cameron Consulting. And for more news, check out my newsletter, which is emailed each month, that being the first week of each month, and it's going to include some more details of some of the items that I mentioned earlier in this podcast. For instance, more details about First Step Shelter, more details about national debt. But if you're not receiving in my newsletter, call me at 566-2140 and my $1,000 guarantee still stands. So, William Bryan won the Daytona 500 last night. And hopefully... NASCAR had a prosperous speed weeks, which should help boost our local economy. And I want to congratulate everyone involved. This is Jim Cameron signing off, saying God bless and roll tide.